welcome to Positively Flourishing, a weekly podcast by me, Cindy Overton, and Dr. Miranda Lawrence. This podcast will unpack our knowledge of evidence-based health and the effects of positivity on all facets of our health. From a patient, me, with Miranda's clinician perspective, there's going to be a lot of our personal experience thrown in as well. We laugh a ton when we're together, and this is essentially an open invite to our table to heal, to grow, and hopefully be in a better place than when you found us. I must warn you, there are a few bad words said, and some of the subject matter isn't kid-friendly. Please take that into consideration when listening, and welcome to Positively Flourishing. What did you do for Thanksgiving? I was stuck. I don't want to use that word. At home, we haven't, li- we literally have not talked. So WL had an ingrown toenail that was like debilitating. It's the worst. So we went to get it fixed, but it wasn't that bad. He's just a man. Did you cut the V in it? No, he won't let me touch it. So who fixed it? So they told me to soak it in Epsom salt and it might loosen it up. And good luck. It's fine. (laughs) He soaked it like I had him soaking that sucker like every couple like minutes, it seems like. It will help with inflammation. It just isn't going to help the actual, you know toe part but if you if you'll let you touch it if you cut a v like like see this is the top of the toenail Mm -hmm. and you cut a v in it like this it Mm -hmm. makes it fuse like this and it pulls it out of the edges okay it's amazing trick okay but he'd have to let you cut the toenail. he would have to let me touch his body and i understand how difficult that can be because duncan sometimes is like that and you know it just depends no, WL will not let me touch, uh, let anyone touch him for any reason. At I mean, a hug, yes, but like anything to do with pain or. Does he have a diagnosis of sensory processing disorder? That's yes, sorry, I forget we're videoing. For, I mean, we're recording. I'm I'm shaking my head like you know the audience can hear <laughs> her me shake my head. Can't hear her head rattle. <laughs> um, you know, no, they can. But that's really because con- I um. I, I'm not on the spectrum at all, as far as I know, actually. I did just have this conversation with somebody recently, and I was like, if I have autism, I would be like, I, lo- I look at people all the time. I'm way too talkative, so I don't think I have autism. But sensory processing, definitely, because the whole reason I do not wear blue jeans, I do not own a pair of blue jeans. And I only wear open-toed shoes because I don't like my toes feeling claustrophobic, and I don't like um, the feeling of denim. So it's very unlikely you're ever going to see me in it. But, you know, that's really so back in the day, we didn't ever talk about that kind of stuff, that the quirky things that make people who they are. And now it has a diagnosis. Now it has a diagnosis. And yeah, I mean, and everybody's got one. In fact, like someone used the term, what was it when it did talk about an atypical child? Uh, neurodivergent yeah just and I was like oh so they get a diagnosis now and all the rest of it you know like it's crazy I mean it's not crazy it's it's the worst state of the world 
Yeah, they just called me weird when I was a kid and it was fine. <laughs> but Oh, I know. I was four eyes and freckle nose and everything. I mean, that's what we were. Now I mean, people love freckles. They have apps where they make they, you have freckles. <laughs> or they tattoo it on their face. Yeah, you can't see my They kind of fade as time goes by. The cute ones do. And then those age spots come up. <laughs> Melasma. So you were at home. Oh, so we were, so I, um, we were in Norwood. And so Wednesday we had um, Woody's parents come over for dinner and his sister that came in from the Dallas area. And they came to like, what is like Woody's man cave there and Woody fried turkeys and they brought like salad and shrimp and grits and stuff like that. And then um, we were scheduled to go to Woody's parents' house for Thanksgiving meal. And that's when that Wednesday night, WL's toe was just like so inflamed. It was, um, it was really bad. And um, I, and he's wearing like uh, shoes without socks. And so like, I kept thinking it was just like the something happened to his toe, you know? Right. Like maybe so, he it or something. Yeah. So I gave him like Tylenol and then we soaked it in the water with the Epsom salt. And then we took him to the doctor the next day because it was still bad. It wasn't as bad. It was still pretty bad. And I did not want to be Thanksgiving evening because I had cooked tons for Thanksgiving evening because we had a lot of people, not a lot of people, but people coming over. And so like, I didn't want to be dealing. I sound cold. I didn't want to be dealing with WL, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I wanted to make sure that I had him well taken care of, that if I had guests, that I, I really worry. I really wouldn't worry what you sound like because people are going to judge you either way. Right. And Honestly, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I was just pretty much like we talked about my laws for the clinic and the number one being positive. And if you can't be positive to leave, <laughs> I don't know if we got this on recording, but it, really any complaining, I was just going to, you know, like ban, block, whatever. Yeah. I can't keep listening to it, but I can keep it from, you know, yeah. having to hear it. Right. So um, did you go Black Friday shopping? So then, yes. Yeah, so then because of WL, we didn't go to my in-laws to eat lunch. We were like getting him taken care of. And so we brought him back. I say we, Sophie went with me. And so Sophie and I brought WL back and then we went back to Denim. Well, we went to Denim to go Black Friday shopping. So we, and then we drove back to Norwood that night in all the rain and everything. And, um, we had fun that night. There was a couple of boutiques in the denim area that we wanted to go to and like support and stuff. So we, we did that and um, got a few things, you know, chalked off the list. And then we came home yesterday. What is that? And we did more flat Friday shopping. Well, Saturday shopping. Oh, we were supposed to, are we supposed to start with the whole don't listen in front of your kids and any medical advice? So don't listen to this in front of your kids because we will bring up topics that you don't want your kids to hear, A, and B, um, consult your medical provider for any medical advice given, blah, 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 blah. I'll come up with a more official way to say that. WL, did you take care of anything off this Christmas list? 
Yes. Yes. Cool. I did. I am. Um, this is the first year I have not been Black Friday shopping, probably in my whole life. I'll probably hit some stuff Cyber Monday, but um, I will support local business. But we're going to be in New Zealand for Christmas. And so I really do not want Santa nor I <laughs> want to bring anything with us. So only Lillian is um, don't is really the only one that can say one way or another what she wants. And so hers is very easy, what, Santa, what she wants Santa to bring her. She's very specific, too. And then Logan wants his birthday is Christmas Eve. And oh, yeah, it's bad for anybody who has kids with December birthdays. It freaking sucks for parties. Yes. Um, so uh, he he's a sneakerhead and he wants this pair of Air Jordans that are like fly ease something. I don't do anything with shoes, but the pair he wants does not come in his size. So I've been trying to troubleshoot that a little bit without paying too much time to it because you know, I don't know anything about sneakers. So I'm waiting for him to come back at me and tell me preferably a shoe change because I cannot, <laughs> I am not Nike. I cannot make the shoes appear. But that is, that is his birthday present is a pair of Air Jordans or Jordan ones or whatever the heck you say. Highs. I don't know, but it's very specific pair of shoes. So I miss the days when he liked Legos and stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah. WL still likes logos, but last year when my mother-in-law asked me what he wanted for Christmas, I said he wants logo Legos, but I don't. Because what happens is I sit down and make it's like I do the Legos. So, so he did that, not get Legos. That so is much. how it is with my other kids. Like, but I still have like little Lego figures that Logan's made me that are really amazing. Like I have an ice cream card in there. I have like a 19 19- early 1900s car that he made me a dog on a skateboard. He was really good at it. I wish that he, you know, still liked it. He still does stuff like kid stuff, lots of kid stuff for, for a 10 year old, but, but they're um, these little plastic Japanese models called Gundams. And so it's like Legos, but on steroids and much more complicated. And so when he asked me to help him, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is some kind of, it's like the, yeah. a realm of hell that I don't, it's hard relating to your kids when you don't, um, you know, when it's something you're not like well-versed in for yeah. sure. When they're interested sure. outside your realm of knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and so your Thanksgiving was quiet. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the kid's dad came over and his wife and cooked and everything. And then they left and I watched smile uh you know I'm a big horror movie buff so I meant to see that in theaters it was good I liked it I will not bore you with details in case you're not a horror movie fan (laughs) not a horror movie fan sorry no it's okay we can't be we can't be a hundred percent in jobs Cindy that would be boring I know I know this way if I ever (laughs) want to go to a horror movie and drag you with me you'll like jump free oh I'll be standing in the seat it's way more fun when you are an unwilling participant. <laughs> You'll have to handcuff me and tie me down and gag me, probably. <laughs> that, that just took it a whole new level to me. Woody's going to listen to this and be like, wait, what? What did my, what did my wife say? Speaking of that, speaking of that, we'll roll right into our little relationship apps. <laughs> so, dear listeners, um. Cindy and I downloaded an app called Agape that asks you a question a day. 
and it's going to flow along with our um, podcast. So we'll be answering a question in a day for us to get to know each other better, but also for you guys to get to know us better. And so we've answered the first question. It's But it's funny because it, it's meant to be for relationships, but it doesn't have to be. So our first, I'm just reading this for the first time. I'm going to read your answer and then you can read mine if you want. Um, the first question is, and we would love to hear, like, you know, when we put this out wherever, if there's a way to comment, definitely comment. We, I would love to know what your answers are to the questions. Given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Cindy says, I have to go with Jesus. I know it sounds cliche, but there are certain things I need to hear straight from the horse's mouth. I mean, that's a, I don't think it sounds cliche. I think that's a really good answer. Like, I got questions, bro. Like, can you, who else am I going to ask? Okay. What, what questions, top three questions you'd ask Jesus right now if he was in front of you? Oh my gosh. Top three questions would be, I don't, that's, now that's the hard part. Would it be specifically about you or would it be about history, like the past or the future? I think it would really be about history, the beginning of religion, why and how everything got started to get misconstrued and misunderstood, because I just feel like the way we practice religion today was not the the is the interpretation that we want to have. And it wasn't the way it was meant to be. Uh, we've had those kind of discussions, not that, you know, but, yeah. you know when we talk about parenting and stuff like that, like what our, what our thought processes are today are just somehow in the mix got me- messed up. I want to know who uh, shot Jr. <laughs> <laughs> or JFK. Cause I don't know for sure. You know, if it was Lee Harvey Oswald, um, Woody will go up to bat with me and say it was <laughs> not him alone though. So who are the other people? Um, who was the second gunman on the grassy knoll? Who was it? <laughs> right. And then, I, I just love the fact that uh, <laughs> the savior of the world, you'd be like, who shot JFK? <laughs> Come on. It's just you and me here. Tell me all about it. Like, Please tell me I'm right so I can brag to my husband that he was wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you to do a podcast on JFK shooter? I'm sure he can figure it out. He already has it figured out. <laughs> We just don't agree. <laughs> He's just wrong. He's just wrong. I was telling somebody, um, actually last night I had this discussion, Woody came up, um, about, I don't know if this is right, but they said that 80% of murders go unsolved. I was like, that's that's kind of creepy. And they brought up Louisiana because, you know, I'm not in Louisiana right now. Right. I'm in Virginia. I was like, it's interesting that you said yeah. that because I actually know this guy who does podcasts and it's it's for cold cases. So I was like, it. I said it was a super interesting concept because who would have thought to crowdsource, crowdsource solving crimes? That's right. freaking ingenious. Right. Like, great, okay, you have a true crime podcast, but he's not just true crime podcast. Right. He's, he's cold casing it. That's crazy. He's cold casing it. And then what's really, really hard, because I have my own, um, so let's like, like just go to like the Darley Routier case, um, which is she's a mom that killed her two of her kids and is on death row. She's been convicted of the crime. Of course, she's always said that she's innocent. And I have a theory of what 
happened that night. I actually talked to her on death row. Like we send letters to each other and stuff. This is the, I've never told you this. So judge, <laughs> he realized that as you saw my face. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should say to the audience, she's got her head on her forehead and like, eyes going, what? <laughs> so, I would, there's a backstory there. Okay. Keep saying what you're saying, but my brain is now like just reeling with questions about that. So I have a theory. Now, my theory is, if I told you my theory, which I can't tell you my theory. Is it that she wasn't getting any sleep and finally snapped? How old were these children? I don't know anything about this case. So she has, she had three. One was turning eight, one was six, and one was a baby. I probably have the ages off a little bit. Maybe one. But I mean, that's good. They're not teenagers. They weren't all babies. So eight, six, and one-ish. You were one, but she was still going through postpartum. So it's a lot. It's a whole other, I mean, like we could dedicate like a whole season of podcast on that case, like us going through and go like dissecting the pieces. Like, it's very, very interesting. If you want to listen to another podcast, don't listen to anything to do with Darlie Routier because they have it all wrong. Like I've done months and months and months of research because this was going to be the second season of Sports Justice. So now that we've switched from iHeart and Cloud 10, we've moved. That was part sports justice is part of them. They were, we were in partnership with them with sports justice. So that's no longer happening. So now I have all of this knowledge about this case. And you can't have it. I can't have it. I just don't know what to do with it right now because it's for Woody to do, but so. Right. And so I'm not asking about that part of it. Right. I'm, I'm just curious. You said you couldn't say your theory. Because uh, I, I, right. But Woody's theory, I can't say either. And I know, I know Woody's is right. Because how could he be wrong about this when he's been right about so many other things? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. know he's right. But that's hard because there's so many times he's right on the important stuff. And I only get him wrong on like the little stuff like you know like the things that don't matter and he's not, he might be wrong because I said we were going east and we were really going west or, or we he said we were going east and we were really going west you know that type of thing like just things that don't matter and like he's always right on this big huge stuff so I have to believe that he's right you know what I mean yes for sure so going back to the 80 so yes using crowdsourcing was huge for him I mean, how he came up with that is amazing. He's like, let's just get the 100%. Payment. And it made me think like, if you spun it off, this was years ago. This was years ago because I was living in Illinois when um, when this happened. So it would have been, you know, two years ago. But I was like, can you imagine if like he opened up a real life, real crime for every state? Like, you know, he covers Louisiana now because you guys are from Louisiana. It makes complete sense. But something had happened where there was a cold case when I lived in Illinois, and I was just like, man, all they need is a Woody to come, you know, crowdsource that. Yeah. Well, the the audience didn't see my eyes get huge when you said that, because when we started the app, um, Lee West, San Antonio now, she just recently got married. She's one of the biggest, like, she's my biggest person that helps me with the app. Well, she's part of the the app developing company and we became fast friends. And that's exactly what she said to me. We need to have like real life, real crime, San Antonio, real life, real crime, Austin, real life, real crime, Sacramento. 
like and have it all across the country and would he vet the detectives would he if they're not good storytellers or they don't want to tell a story he gets on there and learns as much as he can to be able to tell it in true woody fashion so now it. that you're saying that yeah it makes so much sense it really does it 100 percent makes sense yeah it, it it could be so helpful to people and also you don't know we don't, we don't know how we could help with the cold. You know what I mean? Like nobody knows how they can help until somebody sits there and does it. And for some reason, the news going out and giving the details they do, I get why they don't, but the way that Woody tells it is so beneficial for the actual crowdsourcing of putting the puzzle pieces together for the cold case. Right. So he's really got something there. I hope that when you have, you have an appointment coming up at the beginning of December. I hope that maybe that's mentioned. I hope that that is in the vein of what's going to happen for you guys. I know. With that podcast. Right. I'm excited. Me too. And that's cool that I mentioned something that I didn't know about that you guys had already toyed around with. Yeah. So you talked to a woman on death row. Mm -hmm. Your friends. We're friends. Besties. I love it. And her name are you joking? No, I think we're besties. <laughs> well, I mean, you said it, and then the look on your face, I was like, I don't know if she's joking or not. Well, I mean, it's just weird because we relate on a lot of different things, and it's so funny. It's a lot of things that you and I are probably going to talk about in this podcast, and it's the judgment of women, um, the, ju the way you judge yourself based off of society, how society judges you based off of your looks how as a as a mama you can have all of the kids at your house and then you know something happens and then you know everybody like I'm speaking truly from Darlie's point of view right now but her house was like the house on the street where everybody's kids went to but none of the parents ever made a point to come and introduce themselves the kids just would come and play down there and they were trusted down there for hours upon hours on end and then this murder happens or these murders happen and um all of a sudden everybody turns on her and was like oh well we noticed this well we noticed that well this happened and that and there where she's like you always had your kids at my house like why didn't you say anything then it certainly didn't stop you from letting me watch your kids all day long and feed <laughs> them and you know what i mean like that's that's a good point, that's a good point. but so yeah is, that's kind of like a a women against women thing, you know? Yeah. Because you always yeah. knew. But did you really, like, why are you being a gossiper now? Yeah. Why are you saying it now? I mean, there was no gossip about me before. I mean, mind you, she had a slit throat as well. So, you know, I don't know. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I need to look into it. Or we'll do it, we'll do it off air. So we'll do it off air, so I can fill you in on the whole thing because it's a really really interesting story. And um, she, um, I, I I don't know what to say. I mean, well, speaking of trauma and horrible, sh I mean that's that's worse. <laughs> the thing, we, the topic. Okay, we've got forty one minutes, so we're doing good. Um, the topic we were supposed to cover today, this is supposed to be the last intro, and it's supposed to explain why you and I, what grounds we have, where we came from, first off, to 
that we're not, we weren't fed from some silver spoon. We did not just come out trying to be a bright light for everybody and tell you how to be without doing the work ourselves. And that work was, was very large, but, um, so without shedding too much on negative things, because we don't want to do that. We don't want to focus on issues that are negative or people that are negative because it gives them power and it, it lets them into your energy, but it's important for people to know. So a, you can relate to us. Maybe you hear something from our past that you can connect with and say, well, heck, if she can do it, I can do it too. I think that's the most important part of why I would like to briefly talk about our um, childhoods. And then let's talk about our adulthood and how that stemmed from that. So do you want to go first, Cindy? Tell me about your childhood. Um, my parents divorced before I was two. Um yeah, I just could get deep real quick. Um, they divorced before I was two. We lived in Texas at the time. And um, my mom went home. My mom and I went home to visit her dad in Mississippi. And we just never went back to Hebronville, which is the itty bitty town outside of Laredo. Um, my dad was in the Border Patrol. And so we just never went home. And finally, my dad called and um what just said like is she like asked my grandfather is Nicolie coming home and my grandfather was like no I guess I don't know the full story I don't and so my dad just served divorce papers and so from there we stayed in Mississippi for a couple years and then we moved to Baton Rouge and in Baton Rouge um of course I got older so I you know would remember I have more memories at that point so that's kind of like um that's a very good question so my mom's dad was a golf pro and he um he had a friend that he made friends with one of his salesmen like from Titleist or something his name was John Sample and John was older than my mom but John lived in Baton Rouge and John was also a realtor he was very connected in Baton Rouge and he got my mom a job uh working for he got my mama introduction, maybe. I don't know, but she basically met Governor Edwards and he hired her. He created a job for her on the spot and she sat in a room, in a room, just sat there all day and got paid. I mean, Woody will tell you that my mother was, and I hate to speak of her in past tense because she's still alive, but the most beautiful woman. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask, does she look like you? I look with a lot. I'm a, if I was sitting next to her, you would say I look just like her. And if I was sitting next to my dad, you would say I look just like my dad. However, they look nothing alike. Right. It's right. very weird. So people so see what they want to see. You see what you want to see. But Woody now sees a lot of my dad where I think he used to see a lot of my mom. Did you go back and forth? I spent summers with my dad and I spent Christmas and Easter with my dad. Every Christmas? Every Christmas. Wow. Every Easter and every summer was so every birthday as well. I I do have a memory of one 
birthday that I was with my mom it was the year that my dad was actually transferred. He was like on a detail because, like I said, he was in the Border Patrol. He had gone to San Diego and um, with my stepmom and they were there during the summer months, months, whatever. And I actually spent a birthday at home. But my mom wasn't there. She went off to um, the Turtle Islands. And so I was with one of her friends for my birthday. What I was maybe six. What kind of a friend? I don't know. <laughs> like, like a male friend? Is this kind? I I think it was a group of friends or a male friend or a group of friends. Just a friend. I mean, we don't know. I don't know. We don't know I just at know all. that I wasn't I wasn't with her, and I was I never got a I'm like I never got a friend. But I mean, that was like one of the <laughs> right, you know. Right. That I mean, it's interesting. So um, we moved a lot. So my mom was a mover. She every summer I would go see my dad. I'd come home to a new place. We could have been a different apartment in the same apartment complex, whatever. I was down the road in another in a house. Whatever. We just moved every year. Yeah. Um, she just liked to move. And so when I would come home, like all of, I hate, this is a lot. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this, but it really says a lot of who, like I truly am as far as like a hoarder <laughs> things, because when I would come home, I wouldn't have anything um, that was mine left kind of like in my room. It would have just kind of been cleared out of like all of my old stuff. And I would have, you know, like new bedding and new stuff. So like my, my, stuff wasn't there so now I save all the stuff makes sense though yeah so she um had some significant relationships I again I think that some of the stuff isn't like worthy of bringing up I think if it comes up in a topic I'll elaborate um and she got remarried she got married uh, to my stepfather when I was 12 um she was pregnant with my brother they intentionally got pregnant before they got married because my stepfather was a little bit older and he wanted a child. So like, if she wasn't bearing like the fruit, oh, okay. that he was like, you know, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, this is some Henry the eighth stuff right there. Right. And, <laughs> and off the, with their head. Like, yes. They, yeah. So, how, so luckily it was a boy because that's what he really wanted. He had had a child from a previous marriage, my stepsister that I I think met twice. I didn't meet her till I was in my thirties. And that's a whole, I mean, I'll tell you. So, um, so, so they got married and then uh, Charles Frank was born October 4th of 19th. October 7th. Sorry, I get Charles Frank's birth date and my dog's death date confused. <laughs> October 7th in 1984, Charles Frank was born. And then um, and then we had another brother born February 2nd. And I think that was at 87. Could have been 86. And Taylor was uh, six weeks old and he got encephalitis and never you know, with cerebral palsy because of it. And he was six weeks old when he got it and he was 15 when he passed and he was basically a six week old baby in, you know, a grown man body. I do remember um, that, and, brother. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I remember hearing of that brother. I do yeah. remember him personally. I'm not from another life or something is what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember him. <laughs> and then ta- and then and then Blair was born um when I was seventeenth, uh, June fourteenth of eighty eight. So I was sixteen turning seventeen. So and so she called together. They had three kids together. Okay. And they're yeah. still together now? They're still together now. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So he was a and little skeptical at first, but then once she could prove her uterus. She, yes. She was fruitful. So she was able to stay. <laughs> my mom, my dad me, uh, married my stepmom when I was four, almost five. And they had two sons as well. Um, 10 years, I'm 10 years older than Stevie and 12 years older than Bobby. So they're all like, it was like Stevie, Charles, like my dad, my mom had a kid, then my dad had a kid, then my mom had a kid, my mom had another kid. So I had siblings, I have five siblings across, you know, well, five Taylor older. passed. So, you know, but five brothers. Yeah. Four brothers and a sister. Yeah. Well, and a stepsister. So. <laughs> Stevie, Bobby, Charles, Frank, Taylor. That's the four brothers. Where's and then the Blair. Oh, Blair's a girl. Blair's a girl. And that's your dad's kid? My mom's kid. My mom's youngest. Okay. Got it. The one born in 88. So she's two years younger than me. Yes. Oh, Got my it. gosh. You're a baby. You want to <laughs> You think that. You think that. You think that. I was having a thought earlier while I was um, cleaning my freaking stools, like, rug cleaning them I don't know what the word is like water cleaning them I don't know yeah um there's a thing Cindy now about like really young guys being into older women I don't feel like I'm older but like truly like when I think about people I could potentially date uh or whatever like the pool is very not great and they they're really young, really, really young dudes are, are interested in people in my age range. This is like a, a thing now. And I was vacuuming this thing and sucking up this. And I was like, thought like, you know, I mean, they're full on 18, some of them. And it occurred to me that that is half my age. Uh Uh-huh. And then it occurred to me, and this is when I dropped the machine. God, 18 doesn't seem terribly young to me. I feel much younger than I am. But (laughs) what hit me was thinking, holy God, of all that is holy, I could have mothered an 18. Like I could, I had my kids later. So I'm still in the child rearing phase, not realizing, not remembering, oh, most of your friends, you stupid idiot, have 18 year old children. Yeah. (laughs) I was just like, Oh my God. Oh well, my God. How I'll say happen? this story for um off the air, but they don't only like your age group, they like my age group as well. Right, right. Is there's something happening where you cannot find somebody your age? I don't know what Well, happening. I'm not looking. They just I guess take the men my age are looking for the um what what are you talking about? Okay, so they would be going for, for the older, yeah, older than me. So nobody wants it, nobody wants their age anymore. Nobody wants their age. The men. No. There's that supermodel that's 50. That's how that's how it became like a national whatever. She's in her fifties and she was like, Yeah, I guess I'm never gonna meet anybody because the only people that want to date me are really, really young guys. Yeah. She's too old for the old guys. 
and she's too yeah because the old guys only want you know 20 somethings this is ridiculous but the 20 something Mm -hmm. want the 50 year old she's 56 i think if i'm not mistaken yeah so i feel bad for her like (laughs) the worst for her if there ain't if you ain't got no hope there ain't hope for nobody because you are you know you're a supermodel yeah you're a supermodel and you can't even find a dude jesus lord of mercy besides someone who's probably old enough to be your grandchild because at this point like i think she's the ways where this is what i could ask jesus oh and i didn't get to say your person that you would ask is your future mother-in-law you would ask her to dinner I would I don't know I would ask her to dinner (laughs) so much as I would like to have a conversation with this person to get (laughs) I don't know who this person is this is a figmental person yeah I know (laughs) okay just to be clear we both don't have a chance of speaking to our people (laughs) I mean I talk to God all day long but i (laughs) don't know if what i think he's telling me is true or not that's sitting in heaven right now like these dumb bitches like they couldn't think they couldn't think of one existing person god's like god's at mine's like well good luck with that because she doesn't exist yeah (laughs) he's doing a laughing emoji at me i chose i had lots of people run through my head i chose my future mother-in-law because i want a healthy relationship this time and in my previous relationships the dads love me. Dads always love me. They're like, yes, this is exactly the type of person. I'm, I'm shaking my head yes. I'm shaking my head yes. This is great. And mothers, on the other hand, are like, ugh. But that's always been the predicting factor if my if the relationship will work out. Or like work out like, you know, longer than a year-ish is if the mother likes me. If the mother thinks I'm great and would like me to marry her son, may, and maybe it was a mental block. Maybe I just went, Push, this person is yeah. not good. No, you it- need to date your future in-laws. I told Sophie's boyfriend, Jason, I said, you don't need to be dating Sophie. You need to be dating me, not dating in the set, you know, like, <laughs> but you need to get to know me because I'm sorry, buddy. This is what you're getting down the road. Like so that. if you can't handle me now, you're not going to handle her later. <laughs> it's just I like be- that. And, and I think that stems too from like, that's an interesting perspective, but I also have a lot of my friends are, are older than me. And, and when I say that the relevance of that is they have adult children who they're not either, they're not on speaking terms with the child or they have, these are women have sons who they are not in the in the lives of their grandchildren because they do not have a good relationship with the daughter-in-law. That's horrible. I mean, it's not, I don't have a relationship with, with my mom. I don't mean that's horrible. Like how dare you? That's a horrible thing to do. I I mean, that's a horrible state of being where you are that much in protection of your soul that you can't allow this person in your life. And that mother probably isn't intending to do anything she could be intending to do it, but she's got some whacked out shit going on that she can't. I definitely want to cover it in a podcast down the road um, and probably from the daughter-in-law perspective and from the mother-in-law perspective, because I've heard it from both sides. And I think it's a really interesting dynamic that if we can not to shed light on it for, again, any type of negative means, but because how can we heal these familiar, bo- there's something we're doing as a culture when 
this is a norm. It's a norm. It's, it's, it's more thought that you don't get along with your mother-in-law than you do. So at, at more so than kind of the, or on equal footing of who the guy is and what he's about is what my future mother-in-law is like. Cause I'll, I'll straight up, I, he could be amazing. If, if me and the mother-in-law are going to clash, I, I don't think I could enter into a relationship again. I agree with that. I, agree. I cannot, I cannot live with that negativity in my life. No, you can't. Mm-mm. It's very um, toxic. It's so toxic. And I feel so bad toxic. for people who are still in those situations on both sides, the daughter's side and the mother's side. So I'm I'm looking forward to having that healthier relationship in the future with whoever this person is, <laughs> um, but also helping people heal those relationships. And maybe we can kind of get to the bottom of that for some people. That would be lovely. right. 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 Um, so did you have a good relationship with your dad? Uh, no, um, until right about six years before he passed. Um, so to get deep real quick, I don't want to get too deep, but I mean, I do want to explain, like you said, the purpose of this is to say we've been there. So when I was five, I was sexually abused by a babysitter's son. Um, I didn't ever say anything about it. I didn't know that that had happened. I didn't know that what he was doing to me was sexual abuse. I was five. Like he, um, he just touched me inappropriately and had me touch him inappropriately. And, um, and then made me, and again, this goes back to the, please, the warning, please turn off now, because I don't know a better way of saying this, but, um, he made me perform, a blow up flay show. I mean, whatever you, you know, how I have feel bad saying it, but I didn't. And it was like, it was like, like he was, I don't even know how old he was. It was like, just lick it, like lick it like a lollipop. It wasn't like a full on blow job. It was, I remember the room. I remember it was right. It was like their mud room that we were at in this house. It was a bunch of kids that went to. If you had to guess roughly how old, like 10 or older. Oh, he was older. He was 12, 13. Um, and there was other kids in the room. It was like, hey, you come and lick, you come and lick, you come and lick. And then we would go play monkeys on the bed. And that was like our treat. If we did this, we could go do, you know, no more, you know, five little monkeys jumping on the bed. One fell off and we would jump on the bed and sing the song and I accidentally fall off. That was our reward. But I didn't realize what it was. So yeah. I never said a word about it. Like if my mom's listening to this right now, she probably has no clue. There was no point in me saying anything. Never told your mother that? No. Because let me tell you why. Not let me tell you why, why, but at five, I didn't realize it was what it was. Seven, I was seven. Somewhere I turned eight. My um, stepmother's nephew started off physically and emotionally abusing me, uh, hitting me, punching me, telling me he was teaching me how to take care of myself, like self-defense classes. And he would just like kick me in the gut. He would drag me around the house by my hair. I had bald spots in the back, like whole hunks of hair missing from my head. Um, Tell me that I was worthless. He was going to kill me if I ever told anybody he did this. He shoved my head in the toilet to try to drown me full of a toilet with shit in it, literal. Um, 
wouldn't let me like wash my, wouldn't let me put my clothes in the uh, dirty clothes hamper. And I just had to keep wearing like the same underwear over and over again. Just total, he was 12, total just degradation. He would, um, we had a hide-a-bed at my dad's house. He would unfold the hide-a-bed and stick me under it all day long. Like not let me out from between the mattress and where the hide-a-bed hit the floor. He would fold it in as far as he could to lay on top of me. He would suffocate me until I would pass out. Do you know how this person is as an adult? I have no idea. I didn't think I was going to cry. And then it escalated into the um, sexual abuse. And that was um, basically, um, I mean, the physical and the, the mental abuse went on for I mean, probably the time we got there that summer until, you know, like two weeks maybe before we left for, the, he, you know. Did he stop in future summers or did you just I, not see with him? See him? He didn't. He, I didn't see him again. It was weird that he was even there for that summer because he was in Laredo with, you know, where his family lived in, in Louisiana, like his mama lived in Louisiana. So it was very strange that he was even there that summer. He usually would just come like on holidays and stuff like that. So it turned into him making me give him a blowjob and full on mouth of like he wanted, he taught me how to do it with a pickle. Like, And so the third time he made me do this, I realized in my seven-year-old brain, if this is making him feel good, then I guess I could, because he would ejaculate. I mean, it wasn't like, it was just like, so if this is making me feel good, him making him feel good, well, if I bite him, it possibly will hurt and I'll have enough time for him to go, like to leave the room. Like to make myself safe somehow. My, he did say he was going to, if I ever told anybody, he would kill my whole family, which this was a monster to me. So I, of course, believed him. Um, so the day that I bit him, I took off out of my bedroom. And when I did, he came after me and I hit my head on the bar and I had to go get stitches. Well, when I hit my head on the bar, I was running to the phone, you know, because we still had phones connected to the wall. So I was running to this big yellow phone that's on the on the wall with like a cork board that we could pin stuff to. You'd pick it up from the side. I mean, I remember it as vivid as yesterday. And I called my mom and I was crying and I told her and she immediately called my dad's brother because another interesting fact is my dad's brother married my mother's sister so even when we were when my parents divorced we were still very and this was their child no this was my stepmother's stepmom's nephew nephew. stepmom's nephew my stepmom's sister's son and my dad's brother called to talk to my dad well the whole summer my dad had been my dad's friends had noticed like bruises all over my body, black and blue all over me. And the bruises on my back that he would see were, I guess, not like, I guess now because I have my psych degree, I know what I was doing, but my bed had a, um, 
a, a footboard um, at about like my mid back level. And I would lay, I'm going to demonstrate to you because you can see me and I'll try to express it to where people can understand. I would stand with my back to the bed and I would throw myself backwards and then back up. So the wood part of that backboard was hitting my back and bruising my back. And my dad would see those. One day he walked by the room, he saw me doing that. And so now when I get like anxious and I go through things, I pinch like the inner part. of. If you ever see me doing this, I'm under extreme like stress. And so that was what my, I was like self-mutilation, I guess. So far, man. So he saw that all of the other bruises, he assumed I was doing to myself. He, they had this thing, you know, step uh, kids of, um, Divorced kids, you know, always seeking attention. You know, there, there's a thing in my family. It's always about Cindy. Cindy always makes it about her. She just drama for drama's sake. And, you know, that type of thing. I was seven. So I was, t- I did say little things. And I don't remember when people would ask me, like, what about the bald spots? What about the bruises? I don't remember what I said. I probably said, I don't know. But when I called, when my, called my mom, of my, Mom called my dad's brother. My dad's brother called my dad. From what I understand is they didn't speak for a couple of years after that. It the was brothers? ignored. The brothers. The, it was ignored. Um, my dad and I never talked about it. Um, and, and time went on. And my stepmother and I certainly never talked about it. So... At that point, that's where um, things went really, not at that point, when I became a teenager is when things really went downhill with my dad and I. My dad tried to be the best dad he could apart from that. Like when I would go visit him, he tried to teach me, you know, all the things that a daddy would on a daily basis. I called it S&D, sex and drug talks. Like he would take me hunting with him and teach me how to hunt. He would take me out to work on cars with him. He would tell me about, you know, like respecting my body and not have sex with whatever or protect yourself. Or like these are the gang tattoos that are in the prison system right now. Someone tries to get you, you go, you know, you remember this tattoo, like, I mean, do my fingerprints like I did hyper vigilant on trying to keep me safe and protected and make sure he filled me up with everything to where nothing bad happened to me ever again. But in that moment when I needed him that I go back to as a child, I didn't have. And so I from there, you know, is where. We butted heads and I honestly, we honestly think that we would have butted head otherwise because there's only one other person on this earth that I butt heads with, like my dad, and that's Woody. And there's extreme love between me and Woody, but Woody and I go nose to nose, just like my daddy and I would. But we still come back around to the love, you know, so um, my daddy and Woody were peas in a pod. Their one, their birthdays are one day apart. And I feel like they, they got they got along well. Oh my God, best friends from the time they met. Best friends. He's the reason why my dad and I had the best five years before he died. So, did you ever get 
the opportunity to ask him why that situation was ignored. He said that he was sorry that it was ignored. He was doing the best that he could. He was trying to keep his family together, his wife and him. He had gone through one failed divorce, my mom, and he didn't want another one. And um, in his world, it was just talk, just not this words. These weren't his words. This is my interpretation of his words is basically just sweep it under the rug and she'll get over it. I've heard some other parents talk like that. And I think from that generation, that was probably a more acceptable approach to them. You know? Yeah. It didn't make it right by any means. Right. um, So what I'm hearing is that perhaps maybe the stepmom didn't believe it or something. And Okay. Okay. So he just felt like, if he said, like, this is what needs to happen to this child or, you know, what have you. And the stepmom was like, no, he absolutely didn't do that, what have you. So he felt like then his only choice was either, uh, you know, make my other two children go through a divorce. They didn't have kids yet, but yeah, I mean. Right, you were 10, okay. Yeah. Ooh, that's deep. And so, like, it was never brought up to the guy that did it to me um, at any level or his mom. And if they listen, they're obviously they're going to know who I'm talking about because my stepmother had two sisters and one had a son and the other one had daughters. And it's my truth. Don't ever. You'll eat yourself up. Hiding that shit for somebody else. Right. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, he could, he sounds like a monster. So he probably grew up doing that. Like you probably weren't the first person. Somebody did it to him. Um, one of our guests that I'm hoping to have <clears throat> on the show or on the podcast um, is actually the first conversation I had with them was about this topic and his um, opinion on it was just so there's things that people have said about child molesters that really strike me. And it's such a different way of me thinking that it sticks with me. And there was one that Woody mentioned on his podcast. Um, So it was, so there is a piece from Woody. Um, There's a piece from this gentleman um, who's a judge um, and had mentioned this topic. And I was just like floored. And then a few from my personal life that, kind of had just, you you know, if you're not a child molester, you look at it as one way, typically, and one way only. Yeah. And, and that's healthy. And at the same time, you kind of have to know the other pieces to understand it, protect yourself, but also protect your kids from it, of what it looks like. Yes. So he was probably, I said all that to say he was probably, this had probably happened to him. I'm sure it did, but I hate when people say that and I'm trying to, I try to give grace to that because I'm not a child molester. Right. That's a good point. I, I don't say it like, and I hope you didn't take it that way. I didn't, I didn't, but I hate it. It's more like like, just a freaking excuse. 
How do you stop it? I don't know. I mean, I just sometimes think that maybe they were just going to be that person anyway, and they happen to be abused. Because what makes me different? If the precursor to being a sexual predator is being prey, then why am I not one? Or so many other people not? If that's always the precursor, how am I the outlier? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I think, which this is what's got me through my life. And because I, I don't, I think that this might be a much longer series than we think, because we haven't even gotten to you. And I think I'm 10 years old in this whole, in this whole, because <laughs> I haven't even, we haven't even begun to get the rest out. <laughs> You're actually so, seven in this one, just so you, just so you know. Okay. I'm only seven. Look at my face. It's all flush. Like I'm like under, I, but you, know, you don't um, have to say anything you don't want to. I'm not saying it. I think that it's important. And I think that I, the, the, the reason why, not the reason why, because I've never fought not wanting to be a predator, but I think it's your outlook and your demeanor of that makes you either become the victim and use that as your excuse, or you are a survivor and you're going to prevail. And I, I've gotten through my life thinking I'm just a survivor. And never wanted to think of myself as a victim. If I had thought of myself to as a victim, I might be shooting up with meth and and a abuser somewhere. That's my why of this is you don't. I mean, I hate to. I I hate to say, well, if you've done this, I don't know. I I, I don't. I'm just gonna shut up because I don't even know how to word what I want to say. I'm interested in hearing it. I don't want to put anyone down that actually is fighting that urge or has actually tried to stop themselves from being that monster. I don't want to discount their feelings and emotions behind it and the work that they've put into it by saying, oh, well, I just chose to be a survivor. Why can't you just have that mindset? Obviously, there's more to it than yeah, that. I, I didn't take it like that. I don't think and I don't think they would either. Obviously, something snapped in their shit that like made them need a different thing. Um, I I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be several episodes down the road to cover that and really trying to pull together the experts on it. Um, I've mentioned to you, one of my dearest friends is a child abuse expert. And there's this particular judge that I'm hoping will come on. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Um, I'm not going to quote him without, you know, without him being on here. Um, so we would just leave his out, but, um, it's not going to heal you. It would hopefully just prevent other parents from, you know, a, hopefully keep it from happening. Let's get something together to where we can recognize this. But B, my second thing would be, if it, if it happens so that parents will listen to their children. Yes. And even if they lied or, I mean, not that I did, cause I was always the one, literally you could look at me wrong and I was going to cry. Like I did, I wanted to be loved. I'd only wanted people to be proud of me. I'm still very much that same way. You are. So I would not 
lie about anything because if I got caught in a lie, then you're not going to love me. Like, you're not going to look at me the same way anymore. So, I mean, I'm not saying I never did lie. I'm cheating. I mean, I like sneak out of the house. I, I, but I'm talking at seven years old, this time frame that I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, what's the so, worst you do as a seven year old? Like, so, right. Like, seriously, I don't know what the worst I could have done by seven. I think by that time, maybe I opened up a Christmas present under my tree and hit it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I think that was the status of my badness <laughs> at that age. I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying that I didn't ever lie or ever do anything wrong. But in this time frame of my life that we're talking about, eight down, there's nothing that I, I could have done. And nothing I don't believe any child could have done that That's would exactly. make a parent not listen. That's exactly what I was about to say is that I was going to tell you when you were justifying, like you still feel the need as a grown ass woman to justify the fact that at seven and eight years old, you didn't deserve to be molested. You, you deserve for a parent to hear you. Um, if your and, child is strong enough to cry out for help, listen. Right. That's my, that's my, and even if it is, even if it is fabricated on the, whatever chance it is, I don't know the statistics on the cryouts. I think you know, for children, it's very small because. I think for that age group, it's very, very small. Now, if the parents are in a divorce situation, if there's different things like that going on, the statistics do rise because stuff is planted in kids' heads, stuff is said on the kids' behalf. It's completely different. But if it's a true cry. I'm sorry that you felt that you feel even now that you have to justify that behavior. And I hope that, you know, you didn't do anything to deserve that. Which behavior, the abuse or the lack of listening to me? Both. Because I think of my children now and we're kind of coming, you know, your youngest child is, is just a little bit older than my oldest child. But we, as I was beginning motherhood, there were so many parents that, that were parenting at the same time that were like, you know, and I, I'm guilty of it myself of saying, well, if I had done that when I was a kid, my mom would have tore my ass. Right. Well, then we, but I didn't say that to my child, like you deserve to be beat or something, but you're mentally thinking that, you know, yeah. things we let our kids get away with. Um, but really who wants their child to be more traumatized or equally traumatized as they were, right? So we're using our, we are truly healing a generation right, right fucking now. Right. Yeah. And that Hopefully we successfully our, heal. Yeah. But we're not going to do it completely. Yeah. But we are doing it. We are actively doing it. And I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say we're not going to do it. We could absolutely do it. But for our children that are older, you know, have they gotten through completely unscathed? Probably not. Right. But I hope, I hope by listening to this podcast and, and taking the steps that we're going to suggest that they heal, that we continue to heal as well, 
but that it gives people the benefit of, you know, how to help the lead parent and, um, and why specifically how this relates. I mean, we have to, yeah, we turned out okay. Right. Despite our trauma, but that isn't how you want, that's not the keys to success you want to give your children at all. Right. Right. So how did your childhood shape your adulthood? Well, it may be a hypervigilant, um, overprotective mom Wait, to my back, older. How were you as a teenager? Wild. Absolutely wild. And I, I hate to say I was promiscuous. Um, I think that I was um, selfish. Um, Tell me about selfish. Aren't all teens selfish? You know, as you... <laughs> As I said the words, I knew you were going to have that ask. And I immediately started thinking of why I said that. And you know why I said that is because I was told that. I don't even feel like I was being selfish. Don't say that. Don't claim that anymore. But that was the, the, the words in my head. You know what I mean? Like that was what I was. You know, we always say words. Like with my kids, like when you said, how was I as an adult? Like as when I got became a mom, I never, ever told my kids that they were bad. Like you're being bad. You know that? No, I didn't. Words mean so much. They get implanted in your head. And this was a perfect example of. I think I, if I was ever selfish, I put that in quotes, it was me being a, a teenager or be in protection mode. Right. But I was self, I would say that I was probably like not as giving of my time. Like I would come home to visit my mom because I moved to Texas when I was, when after I graduated high school to go to college and I'd come home and my time was just about spending time with my friends. I didn't spend a lot of time um, as much as I think I should have with my siblings or my parents my family here. I was, it was just about partying, you know, be with my friends. So I would say that that was selfish, but that's typical. Yeah. I know. I know. Do you, um, get offended your kids now? How, how do you feel that they turned out the older two, the older three? I couldn't have asked for better kids. I'm so proud. Yes. I'm, I'm so proud of being their mom. I really, really, really am. Like they have, and, and I say that with a sense of like, I don't want to put so much pressure on them because I feel like I tell them like how good they are. And I, and I know one day, like, I don't want to put it out there in the universe either, but they're, you know, they're human beings. They can fuck up one day and I don't yeah. want them to think their mommy only loves them because they're these perfect people. You know, I know, and we do have, they do mess up, you know, but in the overall scheme of things, they're perfect. I love that. Then you fucking did it, Cindy. That's awesome. You know, thank you. You grew up well-adjusted, good kids. 
and they have their own stuff that they've gone through that I tried to protect. You know, my, my biggest thing that I wanted to do is protect my kids. And, and, you know, I, I have not talked to the one, this one, one of my children about how they would feel if I mentioned their story. Um, and I don't think this child would care. Um, because it is what it is and they are survivors, you know, but they didn't come out unscathed. Right, right, right. But they had a supportive parent who loved them through it, who believed them, who empowered them. And maybe that's the damn difference. Like hopefully then that child's children won't even have the trauma. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. So yeah, maybe your baby had that trauma because you couldn't heal it completely. But they still knew the love of a parent that loves them unconditionally and believes them and believes in them. There's so much power to that. So we are healing the future generations. We are. We are. <laughs> Okay, how about we take a little break? You have an emotional, that was a lot, but I want to get into your adulthood part if you're up for it. And that way you can stop recording for a bit and then we'll start episode four with that. Is that okay? Take the time you need. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening today and go flourish. I like it. Ditto. (laughs) 